Hi, this is Vanessa Sunshine. Hi, this is Alicia. Hi, I'm Georgia Love. I'm Osha Ginsberg. If you're listening to the sound of my voice, you are on the Bachelor of Hearts podcast. What do you do with an arts degree? I'm still not sure I know. I skipped three years worth of lectures just to binge watch awful shows. There must be some scholarship for accruing worthless knowledge. It's my only talent, honey. That and losing money. Let your excess hex debts rest and then just join us while we start on our bachelor. Bachelor. Hello. Welcome back and to welcome the Bachelor of Hearts podcast. To the Bachelor of Hearts podcast. Did you want to? Sorry, did I get in the road of no, you? No, I like it when we both try and do it, and it doesn't <laughs> work that well. We are. We are. After you. Oh, I don't know what to say. Really, I was kind we of following We are the Bachelorette Australia podcast that asked the question. What's that? <laughs> <laughs> was that Waza? Yeah. yeah, it was Waza. Okay, just in case there's any oh, confusion. Oh, Xavier. Uh, he was he, he left looking like a chicken, mm. but I couldn't help feeling like he was maybe more of a goose. Yeah, something of a rooster, perhaps. Uh, mm. A turkey. A bit of a turkey. What is it about a bit fowl? Of a gobble gobble. Yeah. I don't know. There's what? just something about poultry, isn't there? We've got an association with all of these wonderful creatures, right? Who I frankly adore. Our winged friends, right? We owe them a great deal more respect, I think. Uh huh. Uh-huh. And that's the platform that I'm campaigning <laughs> for mayor on. <laughs> well, we know that Noosa is in need of a new councillor. Right, maybe. After uh, a bunch of scandals this week, including, uh, well, just some terrible comments from Jess that we will get to mm. later on in the episode. Almost feels like something that's difficult to joke about. Uh, uh, yes, in fact. My mm. name is Max Quinn. Hello, if you didn't know. G'day. Joining I was waiting. You were, sorry. I was like, uh... Do you want me to introduce you now? Joining you, Xavier, mm. on this journey through life and love is my close personal friend and the BOH Pod's secretary of smooches, <laughs> Xavier Rovetsky Noonan. Xavier, hi. Hello. So we are here to recap episode two of The Bachelorette AU. Thank you so much for joining us. Yes, uh, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'd like to extend that thank you to our audience mm. who may be listening at this point. If you missed our episode one show with Vanessa Sunshine, first what is wrong with you? You are clearly some kind of goose or perhaps turkey or poultry of some, some other description. Some kind of gobble. Jump back in your podcast feed for that. We got a lot of stuff on the way in this episode. There was some fun stuff that happened. There was some not so fun stuff mm. that happened. Mm. And we haven't even talked about Jamie yet, who uh, is maybe the biggest point of conversation uh, moving forwards. A great big yikes to our friend Jamie. <laughs> yes, indeed. All right. Uh, I think we've covered just about all our bases off here. Do we have any news so from Bachelor? Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, news from Bachelor. I can't think of any. Caroline's got a boyfriend. Remember oh, that's Caroline true. from Batchy in Paradise? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. American Caroline? American Amcal, as we Am-Cal. called her. Yeah. There's a chemist in Ballina called Amcal for a while. Interesting. Mm. Mm. Anyway, Amcal's got a boyfriend. Uh, well, here's the good news. Right. Here's the actual good news. I'm I realise there is some. Okay. Because you, this is the third take of us doing <laughs> this. And this time I don't have a joke answer. I have a real answer. Talk. There are some TV shows that we like to watch. Yeah. And we like to talk about them on our podcast. Mm-hmm. One of them's called The Bachelor. Mm-hmm. One of them's called The Bachelorette. One of them's called Bachelor in Paradise Australia. Right. Guess which TV shows just got renewed at Channel 10's Big Summit for a brand new season. Truly all three? And MasterChef. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so wow. they're all coming back. Well, guess what? That means uh, three more installments at the very least. It's like finding out these that these two is talking. <laughs> right, exactly. It's like finding out that your um, membership to hell has been renewed. <laughs> it's like, oh, I guess Eternal Damnation is uh, continuing. Beelzebub, the mm. very same. Uh huh. Well, very good. Yep. Uh, Another poke in the butt with a big pitchfork <laughs> for us. All right. We There's actually also, like the yeah, show, though. We, yeah, there was some good stuff in this episode that right. uh, I, I really admired. We will get there, but shout out to a bunch of the boys who did a good job of, of calling out some pretty shitty behavior, but bad job to a bunch of the other boys who behaved in a pretty shitty way. Right. And I think, like, 
I've had a few people coming up to me and asking, like, who are the boys that you really like? Xavi, who are the boys that you really like? <laughs> Here's another one. <laughs> another one of these guys. And to be honest, like, I'm not completely blown away by any of them at right. this point. Sometimes at this point, I'm like, I got a clear pick. Like, you know, uh, there's somebody who's really shining through for me. Right now, I'm like, uh, I'm willing to let these boys, like, prove themselves to me. But yeah. nobody's really blowing me away. But who is blowing me away is our dear Bachelorette, oh Angie. Oh, my Goodness. Who does a really good job She's on this great. episode. And uh, and I think just in general, we talked about it a bit with Vanessa. Yeah. Um, but she's just kicking ass. I will say that I think I was too soft on Angie on our first episode recap. Mm-hmm. I said that I was liking what she was doing, that things were going pretty good for her. Mm. I'm loving what she's doing. She fucking rules. Yeah. I, th- yeah. I really think she's like, she's taking this opportunity and running with it. She is totally affable mm. i love even in the first episode that she r- recalled that she called her feet uh her trotters yes her little trotters i, I know there's really a funny. lot of nice little just sprinkles of language yeah somebody pointed out i think it was beck shaw previous guest of the show yes who pointed out that she has the very queensland way of saying holy dooly which is to say holy dooly yeah that's definitely what i say see i've always said holy dooly this as in wrong. the children's entertainment music band. no incorrect i think factually and uh, Well, I'm already feeling the influence <laughs> of Angie and perhaps you and perhaps Beck. And maybe I'm just being a complete idiot. I've been saying it the wrong way like a moron my whole life. But I've been caught saying holy dooly oh. both in text and in real life. Yeah, I've been caught calling people fancy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, do you want to get into an episode recap? Just we're here for episode two of The Bachelorette Australia what is it? Episode season seven, episode two, season five. Yep, episode. <laughs> you had the episode. Got the, number. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah, All yeah. right. Well, we start on the single date, and this time Angie is the one driving the cool car. Nice. It's uh, the red one with the nene on the front. You know, the sure. Ferrero, Ferrero Rocher. Yep. Um, strapping, perfect. Prince Charming Carlin will be spending twenty-four hours with Angie, and in voiceover, we're reminded that. Carlin has made Angie feel safe, even though he isn't technically her type. Mm. She's. I think it's something about the safety of only playing two chords on that guitar. Ah. There's not a lot of like melodic <laughs> variation. It's just like a homely, sort of comfortable uh, piece of music. Angie says that she is more into naughty boys, jokers like Tim or oh, Kieran oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. or Joaquin Phoenix in the role of a lifetime. Holy shit. So last night I went to the movies. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What'd you see? I saw a little flick called The Jester. Oh, what would you make of it? Um, This guy's pretty fucked up. Yeah, right. I don't is know he from Noosa? Oh, what makes that noise? Uh, Was that possibly some kind of outside influence from some kind of <laughs> maniacal clown prince of crime? Uh, yes. What happened in the movie? Oh, I don't Can know. You give it's me not really summary? that relevant. I mean, you know, he's a bad guy. He's not very nice. He, uh, you know, um, society treads all over him, and so it's his, uh, you know, it's his job to take uh, the power back into his own hands. Ah, good. The incel uprising that we've all been mm. dying mm. for. I don't need to talk about the Joker on the podcast. Fabulous. It's not a good movie. Mm. Well, back at the mansion, we have to deal with uh, another Joker, Jess. Oh, dear and God. all of his bullshit. Um, I can't believe I watched these two episodes of TV with, like, Jess in them. Yeah. And was still like, oh, yeah, I'll drop 15 bucks <laughs> on tickets to go see more, like, hideous clown men. Right. Mm. <laughs> uh, but the boys have kind of already seen through all of Jess's bullshit, which is good at this point. Mm. And also, we have to deal with Jamie and his bullshit, because, Savy, he says he's, quote, hunting for love. Oof. You can really boil it down to that, can't you? You really can. Dave, mm. have you ever hunted for love? Um, no. You've never staged a homicide for human connection? <laughs> not, not directly. You mean to tell me that you've not once in your life been assassinating for adulation? <laughs> not in those terms. We watch Angie drive off with Carlin, and Jamie describes it in all seriousness in voiceover as the worst day of my life. Mm. Now, I think this was Frankenbitten, and I want to say that off the top, but I think what we're being presented with Jamie is a story of absolutes, right? Like, this is a man incapable of seeing the grey in situations, and I want you to Mm. keep that in mind as the season plays out, because what we're going to to see, in my opinion, is Jamie really high, 
and really low. Yeah. And those polarities make for really compelling TV, mm. but maybe not the most like emotionally healthy relationships. Mm. Mm. Um, so already we're with Carlin on this uh, he's too good to be true kind of train. And at first I was kind of thinking about it like it took an entire batchy season for us to get to this point with Matt and Chelsea. True. She's too good to be true. But of course we're being set up. I think in that instance with mm. Matt and Chelsea, the too good to be true thing is their sort of half-hearted attempt to instill some kind of doubt about something that feels like a pretty sure thing at that right. point. Yeah. Whereas in this situation, it's you know I'm not getting that same thing. It's more. It's like, a first impression, right? Of yeah. Mister Fantastic, right? Which he continues to be, right? So he reveals that uh, he's got something to get off his chest. Hey, hopefully it's his shirt. Ah, uh-huh. um, it's a glamping date. Yay! So Angie says uh, it's a back to basics simpleton date because she's looking for a man who doesn't need much. I kind of like this. That's true. I will say that glamping is like kind of goes against that in some ways. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's The Bachelor. If someone was presented with like a dirty tent pie or whatever, you know, like right. you can you can imagine that going down pretty poorly. Right. Exactly. Um, I, I should say, yeah, I like this to the extent that I don't have to do it. Right. That's good. And the other thing about this day is that there's no activity really. Mm. You know, they are at a tent which has already been set up, mm-hmm. and they just kind of get the afternoon to talk. Yeah. And, I and think it is so rare that we get to see that. We talked about this a little bit with Vanessa, right? Yeah. Of like, what kind of date we would like to go on. Right. Um, together, all three of us. Mm. And um, after we had that date together, and yes. it rea- we realized that it really wasn't going to work out as a, a podcast trouble. studio. It was yeah, more yeah. of like a podcast. Yeah. Um, I can't remember where I was going with this. <laughs> Um, Look, we'll move on. We're at the mansion for uh, the group date reveal. Pie Guy Jackson has the date (laughs) card. Uh, And to camera, Jamie says that he will be heartbroken if his name isn't on it. Right. We watch a bunch of names being read before Jamie goes on to say that he'll be absolutely devastated if he's not picked before he finally is picked. And he then says that he's on cloud nine. It's the best that he's ever felt in his life. Wow. Xavier, you've seen The Joker. Have you (laughs) ever seen Chicken Little? (laughs) I mean, I don't actually know if I have seen the movie Chicken Little. (laughs) The Zach Braff iteration? Yeah. Yeah. Was that Zach Braff? It was. Zach Braff was the voice of Chicken Little. I mean, I can probably pin down to the exact year when that movie came out then, right? Yeah. Um, It's more of the stuff that we're hearing with Jamie where, like, the sky is falling, she loves me, she loves me (laughs) not... There's a whole lot of this to look forward to this season with this man. Mm. Uh, like, I'm hoping that there can be some sort of, like, growth or lesson instilled and then they can grow together mm. because we know that he's an older guy and he's kind of well-traveled and he's seen the world. I don't know. Are you hearing that? Some kind of funky noise? Like, coming from a pack of cards? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm hoping that there's some kind of, like, growth arc because he's you know, well-traveled and he's seen the world and maybe there's something there where if he is to emotionally mature, he could be a good partner for someone. Like, he's a good-looking dude. I hope so. It doesn't really feel like it's it's building in that direction. Yeah. Um, So, we cut back to Angie and Carlin. There's a lot of silence and right as Angie is smashing her salmon, Carlin drops a truth bomb. And it's a big... It's a big deal. It is. It's a pretty big deal. Yeah. He says he wants to be open and vulnerable with his story, and he reveals, I am married. Record scratch. Yeah, I know. fuck? Oh, my God. Mr. Perfect, what's wrong with you? Mm. He's betrothed. Yeah, exactly. He's so so perfect, someone already got to him. mm. Mm. So, basically, he gives this whole rundown of his life story. He got married in 2016. Then they separated... His wife now lives overseas. They filed for divorce, but it's not final. This is a lot, Zave. Yeah, it's a pretty big deal, and it's kind of a complicated thing. Like, yeah, um, you know, I on my gut reaction is like, I really want to be respectful of um, this guy in this situation right. because, like, it is a weirdly long bureaucratic cro- process to file for divorce and have right. it finalized. Um, in Australia and I, I believe elsewhere as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, you don't want to insist that this guy has to just like sit on his hands and pretend he doesn't exist like a monk for, you know, two years or whatever, right. how lo- however long it takes. But then also by the same token, like 
you don't have to go on Batchy and you don't have to put yourself out there in such a public way. Yeah. And and there's part of me that also just wonders, like, you know, if it was that serious for him to, you know, have a marriage and propose to someone and go into that whole thing, mm-hmm. um, you know, are we satisfied with the amount that he's moved on? And are we satisfied that um, he has the seriousness and maturity about starting a long-term relationship that Angie might be looking for. So far, I'm convinced. I'll say that about him. And like, he's like, look, it's in the past. I've moved on. I'm fine with that idea of accepting, yeah, someone's had a past. And as long as they're in a place where they're emotionally mature, things are okay. I think the thing is we have to take him at his word. Right. Like, particularly this early on, because we've been given very little reason to doubt this about him. Right. Um... You know, I've seen a bit of discussion from either side of it this week on socials and stuff. But I just, yeah, there's no reason to engage with that at this point. Right. So the thing is, particularly also, we're encouraged to trust him because and take him at his word because there are so many men who we're not supposed to take at their word so far. And we see three of them in this episode. Um, Angie, to be fair, is also kind of questioning it to start because it's a lot of information to go dropping on someone in Mm. fact she's the first person this season to ask the question are you here for the right reasons yeah and it's of our prince charming i kind of think that's pretty wild yeah that's true yeah i do feel like we should give him some credit for not keeping this as a buried secret totally it has to come out of the woodwork late in the season yeah he's like on the first single date totally upfront about it like hey before this thing goes any further here's something you have to know about me right I'd like I think that you're absolutely right in that that deserves credit and I so far so good with Colin I kind of think yeah yeah so we are now on a batchy couch they're drinking wine and Angie to her credit as well is straightforward and upfront about this you know she's someone who has been around enough TV to have her wits about her and so she lays her concerns on the table on the TV I think that's really good like she says that She's worried he's trying to get over his ex on the TV. She says that maybe he's emotionally all over the place and doesn't know what he wants. Mm. And then on the other side, Carlin's just been married and would he want to dive into a relationship with someone who's never been in love? Yeah. I kind of think, like, this chat should be taught in schools. They're so honest and respectful with each other. They're, like, all fair questions. Right. They don't tiptoe around the hard stuff, and it's really good. Like, this is why we come to this show. Yeah. Because this kind of conversation and discourse can happen, and it's like, this is what a healthy interaction about something difficult looks like. Yeah, and it is a discourse. Like, he's given the appropriate opportunity to explain himself. Definitely. Like, she's interested in... Well, he brings it up, so he doesn't have to necessarily, like explain himself it's sort of like he volunteers it right and she's interested in hearing what he has to say about it she's not like looking for reasons to distrust him yeah um yeah i think it's really healthy i like this a lot yeah so the date concludes with a kiss angie says oh my god the guy even kisses perfectly he could give me pash rash every day Now it's the next morning, and oops, surprise, Colin, all the other boys are joining you on your glamping date as it transitions into a grouping date. So this is so funny to me. Yeah. Because you have this quite scandalous promise of a 24-hour date where he's going to get to spend, you know, all this time alone with her. I don't think the words, like, you will have 24 hours alone with Angie <laughs> were ever actually specifically said. True. And so what it is, is it just rolls into the group date, and he's there on the group date as well. Which is pretty, like, I don't know, I kind of think it's pretty fun. Mm. It's sneaky and underhanded on the part of the show. But I think they handled it in just the right way. Absolutely. Like, it's subtle enough that you would only really be thinking about it if you were trying to piece together the structure. Yeah. And it takes place over the course of these two episodes as well. Um, All the promise of it being a 24-hour thing. Right. And then suddenly it's a date, and then it rolls into the next date, next episode, you know? Yeah, I think the show's worked out that... Um, burning these uh, like 24-hour special rose kind of dates early mm. is something that really works rather than trying to engender this fake kind of tension mm. of like, when am I going to use my stealer date? Or right. Whatever. Because it does, as much as like, as much as those gimmicks can be more interesting the later they take place in a season, mm. it is also way less interesting to have to go through the like, oh, is he going to use it this time? Every single right. week. Like, because if you cast properly, the tension creates itself. Right. Yeah. You don't need that stuff. 
Speaking of tension creating itself, it's now time for us to hear a game from Jamie, who says that it's unfair that Carlin is now on this group date. Mm. He thinks that it hurts him inside before demonstrating that he's going to make proper eye contact on this <laughs> date to the camera. I think, because honestly, like, <laughs> Max, please stop staring at me. I'm trying to talk. I'm making proper eye contact. Oh, God. So he's trying to... Oh, my... It's really... It's really hard. <laughs> he's trying to... Uh, oh, my God. Will you <laughs> stop? Uh... The fact of the matter is, it's worse for him because right. his single date is being cut off by this uh, group date. But oh yeah, God, it's interesting that think. Jamie doesn't. Oh, Can you got to stop this. In the other direction. Fine. I can't look at you. Okay, so as we've come to expect in episode two, this is a photo shoot date. Yeah. Angie has decided to dress the boys up in silly costumes and ask them to make gooses of themselves. <laughs> The theme is animal attraction. Jonathan Moran from the Daily Telegraph and every season of this show somehow is back. And it's all he's systems literally, go. He's addressed as Jono from most <laughs> of it. Like, he's like close friends with everyone yeah. in production. Everyone just knows him. He's yeah. always around. Uh-huh. So first up on this photo shoot date are Matt, who is dressed as a hot mermaid, and Tim, who is dressed as a boiled lobster. <laughs> This date fucking rules. It slaps. Yeah. This is like, so this photo shoot date happens every time and normally it's quite boring. Yeah. And I think like it's just because it follows a very cookie cutter type of, uh, you know, and this does align itself with the exact pattern that they always do. Right. But I think just something about like the wildness of the costumes, because normally they're like doing some, some Mills and steamy Boone. romance like, thing. Yes. Yeah, they're trying to do like a book cover. Or they're yeah, trying last to do year like... was a Mills and Boone cover. Right, exactly. So it's like some, you know, horny, like shirtless oil, like t- right. rigs. Like, and like that stuff can be quite good, but also there's plenty of opportunities for that in this show. Right. Whereas like, I think they're leaning into the goofier side, particularly for Angie's personality. Yeah. Of, of just being lighthearted and... Um, these Silly. costumes are so great. They're so great. Like, we do get a bit riggy with it, you know? Like, Matt is shirtless, and we see some definite shirtlessness from Jacko later on. Indisputable um, shirtlessness. You know, and, like, it's good. There's a good little balance of, like, hey, they could kiss or whatever, mm-hmm. but then there's also Tim in a lobster con- <laughs> costume just, like, owning it and, I don't know, like, jumping in from behind the photo shoot and stealing the show with, like... I don't know, all of these, like, gestures that he, he does. He completely inhabits the character. Absolutely. Like, it's not, he's not being forced to wear a costume. Like, when you contrast him with some of the people who are less happy to be wearing it, like, he is the most into it, I think, oh, it's like, so just good. about anyone has been on one of these dates. Yeah, it's, like, the exact spirit that you should be in for this kind of date. Right. And uh, uh, along the way, I should note that he does reveal his own little lobster. <laughs> That's one way to put it, yeah. yeah. What, what um, does she call it? The little lobster balls? Little lobster balls, mm. um, which, you know, Jess reveals his little lobster balls. Warwick, uh, unfortunately, uh, in the next photo shoot, I think has some other balls to deal with. That's the only That's the only reason they include that, right? Because yeah. if you frame that a bit differently, like, I mean, he, okay, so we should make it clear, he doesn't do this on purpose. Right. He's not... Parting the kimono, right? Exactly. Yeah. Not... Um. The literal, the literal kimono. Right. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. To um... see the kimono dragon. <laughs> 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 this thing oh. happens by accident. They blur it. It's all in the name of fun. Right. It's not a frightening situation on set. But it stands to set up this next part. Right. Which is everything that goes on between Jamie, Jess, Warwick, and a bunch of the other boys mm. who are in this all-in. Barnyard extravaganza. Mm-hmm. Now, and again, really good costumes. There are great costumes here. Um, the the best one is definitely was his costume. Right, right. He's a full on chook. Yeah, it's really good. Like there's he, face paint. There's like costuming. He's got a beak. There's like a little head thing. The whole thing. And then of course he's got what a rooster has. Yeah, on his little chinny chin. The little chin. dangle on the, the chin. Little dangle. Yeah, which. Ha ha, very funny. Ball chinian. Looks a bit like a ball. Yes. 
So was it totally cracks it here? Like the boys give him some shit about uh, the chicken gobble sack, right? And and I think that's that's the thing that sets him off. Yeah, is um, well, he already feels uncomfortable. He feels a bit uncomfortable, and then I think is it Tim maybe who yeah. says like, "Oh, he looks like he's got balls." On, or, and he said, "I think he says like, it's not the only time you've had balls on your chin." Or yeah, something. something like that, which is. A homophobic comment, and yeah. I'm not wild about it. I don't like that either. But the fact that he reacts like that means that to him, he doesn't think it's a joke. He is that offended. And, like, to me, it takes it from being something which is about the costume yeah. and turns it into something about being... About like, the person. His masculinity or yeah. his heterosexuality being, like, called into question. Yeah, or even just his sense of, like, how a person like him should behave in this kind of situation, you know? Like, sure. His sense of control. Yeah, uh, because this is something that is very, very much out of his control, and all of a sudden he's being made fun of for the costume that he's in, and he runs inside and pulls it off. See, I mean, I see that angle of it, but to me, it really read as like a homophobic thing. Oh, I don't know really? If I, yeah, I don't know if I am am reading too much into this or whatever. Yeah, but I, I, the way that I remember the situation playing out was that somebody implied that he had sucked a dick. Right. And that was what pushed him over the edge. Oh. I guess, I guess maybe I hadn't mm. thought of it like that. I just thought like um the costume made him feel embarrassed right. and then the boys made him more embarrassed. I think it was a cocktail of things. Yeah. A real Mm. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so Matt says that Warwick cracked the shits in front of everyone. Tim says that he needs to go back to the farm. Mm. And Warwick says to a producer, you can take me back to the house. I'm done mm. here also tim is the expert witness saying that is precisely why angie gave warwick the task to see if he had a sense of humor right tim says he somehow made even more of a cock of himself now that he's chickened out mm. a lot of great puns going yeah. around yeah. Meanwhile, jamie is the farmer husband to angie's farmer wife and he gets another confessional saying that he's trying to spiritually connect to angie as she's milking the udder of another man dressed as a cow. Hmm. I feel like we could do a whole episode just on that. <laughs> honestly. There's just, there's a lot to psychoanalyze there. Hmm. I'm not game for any of it because hmm. Jess then ratchets it up to a place that not even Jamie can get to. And this is the super, super, super yucky stuff. This okay. is when it turns from like, this is definitely unhealthy and look at this idiot to like, this is unacceptable. Right. Yeah. Um, it, Jess says, don't mind me if I get some wandering fingers. It's disgusting. Yeah, I know. I'm like, don't mind me if I get the fucking wandering cops. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'll, my wandering fingers will find another TV channel <laughs> to watch, at the very least. Angie says, uh, Jesus, what's wrong with you? Before we hear from Jackson, Tim, and Carlin, who each identify Jess as a creep and a sleaze. Mm. Carlin is the first person to call Jess out in person yep. before we get some even more vulgar and graphic gesturing from Jess. It's not worth, like, describing it. Yeah, but he doesn't back down. No. Uh, and he's, like, in a way, like, trying to convince the others that it's a joke by going even further with it. Yeah. Which, like, is the kind of behavior that you see from somebody who is not really understanding the seriousness of the situation. Absolutely. Where it's, like... These people must not be grasping the fact that I'm kidding, so therefore I will do it again and even more. Yeah, and the question that I have is, like, why is he on the show at yeah. this point? You know, is this something that had been screened for? Is this something that you could predict, this kind of behavior? I mean, I have no idea. Is it the yeah. kind... I mean, yeah, uh, this is clearly a different situation than he would have been put in up to this point, I imagine. Right. Um, you know, is it... I don't know. It's a great question. Yeah, like, I understand that the aim of the show is to reflect some of society. I get it. But the man is being presented as a predator, and I don't think that Angie should be made available to him, and I don't think that Angie should be made expendable by production. Right, and it's that thing of, like, she is a she is a bankable star, and she's the reason that a lot of people are watching this show. Yeah. And you don't want to have to put her in, like, precarious situations like this where she is, like truly in danger yeah i mean like there are people around but like you know yeah these things have an effect on you right exactly you know and like the um 
imminent sense of physical danger might not be there, but this is like what we're talking about is like a psychological kind of behavior. Exactly. Yeah. And like willful, ugh, I don't know. Yeah. It's willful imposition. Yeah. Uh, it, the whole thing is like entirely unacceptable and it's good that Carlin says something. Right. The other question I have, who voted for this person? Do you vote for a councillor? I don't know if you do. Oh, yeah. You mean in Noosa? In Noosa. Well, yeah. I mean, like, because you're a social person, aren't you? If right. You're a, I don't, I've never known anyone to be in local government. No, me neither. But, like, the way I picture it is there's a lot of rubbing shoulders with people in the city. and A lot of kissing babies. Right. You have yeah. to know the, like, fire brigade, and you have to know the teachers, and you have to know the whatever, yeah. you know? like I don't know. Ugh. The last date is a penguin photo shoot. Angie and Jackson are penguins. He's shirtless, and it's really cute. It's cute. It's yeah. also a little bit hot. Yeah, mm. both of them. Mm-hmm. They're super awkward, but it's nice, and they're accommodating of each other. They're close. All the boys are watching, and they're, of course, also egging Jamie on mm. at the same time. And this is where Jamie gets somehow worse and weird as well. He mm. threatens to roundhouse the igloo which is part of the set and also not a metaphor right (laughs) and also Also, what was the igloo made out of i don't know cardboard yeah it didn't seem like it would stand up to much kicking definitely not Mm. um and also to just destroy the set yeah what are we doing here with jamie just let him go home yeah he's Uh, clearly not having a good day just like let him leave i know i know and it's really weird because like we we were watching the show with uh with my girlfriend danny Mm. and danny was like charlie He's Charlie. Yeah, he's being Charlie. Yeah, it's... So, like, the thing that made Charlie uh, so controversial but also so awful was the, like, duplicitousness with which he operated, right? In that he was incredibly controlling and aggressive with Mm. the boys Mm. and then also, like, uh, like, was good enough and manipulative enough at not showing Ali even, not giving her a sniff of that. Yeah. Right? And, in fact, convincing her of the opposite right. for such a long time right. until he revealed himself. What is upsetting, I think, is that, like, because we watch all these shows, yeah. and you would, I guess, imagine that someone who is applying to be on the show would do a bit of background research as well. Mm. And, like, I think doing our podcast and, you know, I discuss this show with you more than I do with just about anyone else. Yeah. I think we exist in a bubble where we're like, we are learning the correct lessons from these things. (laughs) We are seeing the right and wrongs of these situations. But it's a bit fucked up to think that somebody else might be rewatching these and being like, oh, he is going to, this is my strategy. Yeah. Because it works pretty well for him. Yeah. Maybe if I just do that even a bit more, then I'm going to get all the way to the end. Yeah. I kind of like... I don't see Jamie as necessarily malicious, whereas I found mm. Charlie to be quite malicious. I, think I, I see agree. Jamie more as Ivan. Yeah, he's misguided. Yeah, Ivan in Paradise in particular, yeah. where like, oh my god, Tanil doesn't love me. Fuck, the whole world's over. What am I gonna do? Yeah, I can't believe my bro, whoever it was, is gonna steal her from me. And Nathan, Nathan, uh, yeah, like the whole thing was just like too much. And I feel like that we're gonna be. Um, in line to cop a, a similar hit of behavior I here from Jamie. Right. I, I really hope not. Now it's cocktail party time, and after some scene setting, the first thing we hear is that Waza has fully cooked it. Mm. The editors hand this up. It's great. Yeah, he's fucking Waza, like, as he's known. Fucking Waza is giving this big speech about how as soon as he got given the chicken costume, he was out, and there are the most, like, over-the-top fucking <laughs> ironic violins playing, <laughs> so drawn out and sad, and they cut immediately as soon as he reveals that he is leaving the house. Right. It's so funny. He's fully had enough. Yeah. I wonder... I mean, there's something happening here, whether it's like other people are truly being even more cruel, like other bachelors are truly being more cruel to him than we're seeing. Yeah. Or... I don't know, he's being laughed at or made a mockery by, like, the crew or, like, you know, like, for for it to be bad enough for him to leave, I don't know, was he ever... I just think that his sense of control was challenged, and then I think that he freaked out on the show after realising that people were going to see him uh, in a chicken costume, 
but and why that would that he have spiraled? Thought, I mean, I, I I agree, but like, why would he have thought that he would have control in this situation to begin with? I don't know. Yeah, I don't understand that. Like yeah. applying for this, like you are surrendering yourself to the process. The amount of like legal documents and things you have to agree with, and, definitely. Yeah. So. Uh, Kieran challenges him on it, articulating how he definitely would have handled the situation better. And it's not like he got the bad costume, which I think is maybe what he thinks. Yeah. Like, it's not like he would have been okay had he been given the cow and somebody was, like, rubbing his little teat or whatever. Well, this is what he says in the cab uh, as he leaves the show. He's like, if I'd been the farmer, I would have been fine. Well, the farmer, I mean, is just a hunky dude. Right, exactly. So maybe that's the case. But also, there was only one... Like, human character. Yeah. It's hard to imagine him doing much better with just about any of the other ones. I think that... So, to the point that you raised earlier about um, this being laced in homophobia, mm. I think that maybe where I, I come more into line with seeing what you see is that I think that what Warwick is... Uh, at least what we're being shown of Warwick is that dressing up is maybe more of a feminine act. act do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think that what we're seeing is Warwick's sense of uh, what an acceptable masculine thing to way to behave in the situation is, is being challenged. And he's sort of surrendering some part of his, his identity by doing this. That's as well? right. I think so. Mm. Yeah. I like, I think that that's where, that's where I would more like find, my center yeah. in all of this is that it's, it's grounded in identity and control because the things that you know about yourself, which are like, I'm, I'm a, a person and not a chicken. Yeah. And I'm a <laughs> <laughs> because it can be confusing. Yeah. I'm if a you are dressed up and you have feathers and yeah. you have a beak and you have yellow face <laughs> paint, maybe you'll be confused. Yeah, it's true. You know, you're crowing as the sun comes up every morning. Mm-hmm. What are you doing? That's what happened to Mel Gibson. Mm. That's why he's not in movies anymore, because he got stuck in Chicken Run. He, uh, it's no other reason other yeah, than Yeah, it was that. weird when he got nailed to that cross, too. <laughs> you know what, though? He is actually still in movies, and we're not talking about it enough. So, Daddy's yeah. home, too? Oh. Leave home, Dad! <laughs> Go back to the store to buy another pack of cigarettes, <laughs> right. Dad. All right, so Kieran challenges him. Kieran says he would have handled the situation much better. And Warwick says, ha-ha, sit down, mate. Mm. Um, It's really aggressive. Mm. And in voiceover, we get this quote from him, which is definitely a Frankenbite, but it is so good, so I want to bring it up. Warwick says, I'm here to have a joke, but not at my own expense. (laughs) (laughs) So he bails. Just like everyone else, I love a laugh. But when we're laughing at me. <laughs> he calls the boys tosses mm. on the way out. And Zave, I'm wondering, have you in this process been able to identify the tosser? Uh, the one who is being a tosser? Yes. Not exactly sure. Yeah. The irony here, obviously, is that Warwick doesn't want to look like a dickhead on TV. So the show has gone to every extent possible mm. to make sure he looks like a dickhead on TV. That's the thing. And I feel like he has probably created a bit of a nightmare for production and probably made a real... Like, that's why I'm curious yeah. about, like, has he pissed off people on crew or whatever? Right. Because, like, they're rubbing salt in the wound at this point. Oh, absolutely they are. And interestingly, like, I think this is something that they probably would have at least wanted to have happened on camera in front of Angie. Yeah. Uh, but they kind of salvage it here because they pull one over on her too, right? They don't tell her that Waza <laughs> has left. Yeah. And so she rocks up at the cocktail party and all the boys are like, yeah, Waza's is gone. What can you do? Yeah. And she just sort of has to Waza deal with it. Sometimes just goes. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's the way the Waza crumbles. Yeah. You know, oh, oh, oh. That's the episode title. <laughs> uh, she's like pretty frazzled in this situation, but I do think Angie handles it really well. Mm. She sits the boys down. She gives them the lay of the land before Naranga takes her away for a chat that we see none of. Mm. Uh, now it's sorry, Jess's turn uh, again. Sorry, Vanessa. I know, it's so sad. Now it's Jess's turn again. He's talking about how if he were in Jackson's shoes on the group date... He would have just kissed Angie without seeking consent or confirmation because he's kissed plenty of girls before have turned their heads and he's just used to it. Xavier, I've committed lots of sexual assaults. Yeah. And I just don't care. Right. It's uh, something I make a pattern of and uh, I haven't thought to stop to worry about anyone yet and it's been going just fine. Yeah. 
Hayden calls him out, which is really good. And then Tom calls him this out. Is, I think this is like maybe the first appearance of Hayden in any real way. I know. And he makes a pretty good impression. Oh, it's so like, I don't recall Hayden's entry into the house. Mm. I don't know anything about the dude other than that he's missing the E in his name. Mm. And then we cut to him and I'm like, who cares? Yeah. He can ha- he like he can spell his name however he wants. Put an F in it. The E is Hayden. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, he's really, really good in this situation. And then Carlin articulates to camera that it's his responsibility to stand up against Jess by telling Angie the truth. Okay. Now, Hmm. you could argue that it might be Carlin's responsibility to stand up to Jess by actually standing up to Jess. Right. Maybe talk to Jess. Yeah. Maybe Angie doesn't really need to be brought into it. Right. But the show still does a very good job of articulating Jess's inappropriate behavior and making him out to be predatory. Mm. So we, at the very least, are still shown Jess making a pass at producers and the waitresses who are serving them food. God, it's vile. I know, it's so gross. Before Carlin lets Angie know what's up. So they're sitting down on a batchy couch and Carlin also invokes the crew, which fires Angie right up. Um... I don't know, I just can't but feel like it shouldn't be her responsibility. It shouldn't fall to her mm. to set Jess straight in this situation, even though she is the one with the power. Yeah, I mean, it's a great tee-up for her to have a great moment here. Yeah. And she destroys. Oh, yeah, rules. she hits home run. But I think I agree with you that, like, it shouldn't really have to fall to her. Yeah. Yeah. It's It feels like all of the other dominoes fell over in uh, casting and production and the men on the cast. Mm. And they're just like, oh, Angie, you have to deal with it, so you deal with it. And there's a cynical part of me that's like, maybe they chuck in... I mean, they always chuck in a few duds who are, like, shitty. And, like, I don't fucking know why, but, like, part of me thinks, like, they know that Angie has what it takes to stand up to these people. Right. And they're creating an opportunity for her to do that. Absolutely. Where she will seem like a cool badass who... You know, knows how to handle a situation like this and it will look good for her. And it does. And it does. And all yeah. of that stuff happens and it's wonderful and it's the best part of the episode. But it shouldn't have to. It shouldn't. We didn't. We, come on, guys. Yeah. Yeah. So, next, Matt steps up. Basically, it comes about that the boys are talking and Tim takes the opportunity to stir the pot between Jess and a man named Scott who's on the show. I'm sure you're right. Sorry, that was a real yawn. That's a good reaction Mm. to Scott. Yeah, Um, and it all results in Jess calling Angie a bitch. Mm. Now the boys arc up at this, um, and Jess says it's fine. We're not on camera, but Matt then absolutely puts him in place. He says it doesn't matter whether or not the cameras are on, and the way that Jess speaks about women isn't acceptable. It's disgusting. And this rules, and this is, I think, what I was asking for in our last episode. Yeah. When we were talking about, like, the reveal of the hidden brother. Yeah. And everyone having to acknowledge that they may have said some things that they shouldn't have. Right. Where the lesson of that scene should have been, like, don't say those things to begin with. Right. I think that's what comes through here. It's like, it doesn't matter if cameras are on you. It doesn't matter if people hear you. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you have these thoughts privately to yourself. It's not okay. Like Full stop. Yeah. Yeah. And like... Stamp that out. It's great. And it's really good to see Matt take a stand against that. Yeah. And like, it made me feel encouraged about the social climate as this show is trying to reflect it. Mm. He's not someone... Matt is not someone who I initially thought would be a voice of reason on this show. Right. Just from first impressions. I maybe didn't think that's... any of these men really would be. Right, yeah. yeah. And, I mean, we've been trained to feel that way by previous seasons yeah, of Yeah, yeah, we're sitting there going, do better, do better. And credit to some of these men. They are doing better. Right. Yeah. Uh, no even, credit. Like, and even Matt, who who seems like he is fitting that sort of cheeky, larrikin-ish, like... Right. Um, you know, trope that so many of these men seem to fit into. Right. Um... You can have that patina and then also still be a good person. Yeah, there's somewhere in the Venn diagram where those two things overlap. Right. And what we're seeing is that, like, you can have both. Yeah. Yeah. And now you're hearing people talking about Matt as a front runner. Um, Initially, I'm like, what, the bike guy, really? And now I'm like, well, okay, like, this guy, there's some depth and complexity there. Well, this is the thing. Like, we haven't seen too much of his... um, interaction with Angie. Sure. If we want to assess Matt as a front runner, I would be I think it's more like I feel like I'd be happy if Angie ended up with him because we've seen him act in such a way that you know that he's not gonna be a shit. Yeah. Yeah. Now it's Angie's turn. 
She says that Jess made her feel uncomfortable and that he's made the crew feel uncomfortable and that no one is going to mess with her sisterhood. Mm. It's fucking cool, right? Importantly, she barely lets him get a word in. She says, no, Mm. you're not letting me talk and pushes back against him. It's really cool. Mm. This is how, like, uh, I don't know, it's, it's... textbook uh feminism i think right in standing up for yourself in the face of this like oppressive and regressive man yeah it made angie look so good yeah it's a shame that she had to do it yeah but you know at the same time fuck yeah for standing up for yourself yeah she totally stands her ground i hope that this resonated with people um, it feels like the kind of thing that maybe a young woman would see and be inspired by. Right. Um, which is all you could possibly... I mean, more than you could really ask from this show. This show, particularly, um, yeah. It's a it's a great moment. It's a, like a watershed moment for this franchise, too, mm. because how often do we see this kind of dressing down? Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, you don't have to be that performative, I guess, um, to be a good woman or to be a good feminist. No, or no, any no. Of that s- sort of stuff, but, like... A moment like this that grabs your attention and um, I think sort of feels like I'm being optimistic by saying this, but it feels like it could, if the show wanted to be, be a turning point. Right. You know? So Angie sends Jess home uh, in voiceover. Jess calls it, this is a direct quote, a different of opinion (laughs) before saying that he's off to find the love of his life in, this is also a direct quote. A dirty, dingy nightclub in Noosa. Mm. What a tourism ad for the city (laughs) for which you are a counsellor. I almost feel like, because there's been a lot of stuff in the real world about Jess and Noosa. We talked about some of it last episode. Yeah. Uh, And, you know, his leadership skills are being called into question, rightfully so, and, you know, that kind of thing. I almost feel like the letter wasn't even really being written until that line came out of his mouth. Right. Like, he's done a lot of bad shit up to this point, <laughs> but the people But the Noosa city are... of Noosa will take you back, son. Yeah, exactly. They're like, oh, come on, you blew it. Well, anyway, that didn't work out. You know, and like, inexcusable <laughs> behavior, and I'm not saying that Noosa would excuse it. I'm not no, trying to assume that they're like backwards people or anything no, like no, that. No, no, um, But come for fucking Noosa. Oh, Noosa comes for you. Noosa will come for you. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, the end of the episode. There's no rose ceremony. Yeah, because um, two boys... Well, I mean, one left, one was sent packing. Yeah, mm. that's that's all she wrote for this show. Yeah. Uh, like, do we have an update? Do we have an update on Jess? I mean, he has not yet been removed at the time of recording. Yeah. Although there are some serious, you know, attempts to do so. It's tough to tell, like, whether maybe this will die down and everyone will move on. But from what I know of the people of Noosa, based on my (laughs) short amount of time on their community notice board on Facebook groups, uh, they are not going to let this go. So he's deleted his Instagram. He's deleted all his other socials. And a formal investigation has been launched we don't know the outcome yet, but rest assured, dear listener, <laughs> we will, we will bring it to you, you as soon updated. as we know. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, God. I mean, what do you what do you say to a thing like this? You can't. He deserves the worst. He deserves that. He was a really bad showing from this man who behaved in uh, what was presented to be a predatory way, mm. and it sure felt like it coming across on the TV. Yeah. Yeah. Next week. I mean. Look, okay, okay, let's hope that he... No, because the thing is, I want to say let's hope that he takes a good hard look at, look at himself and realizes he's made some mistakes, but he did. Yeah. He watched himself on the TV and he was like, no, it's just having a joke. It's this like, is fine. Li- literally, we're get, sitting here getting poked in the butt with a pitchfork, another nah. circle of hell in eternity. Give it to that guy. Yeah, he's the guy who, uh, you know, like, when given the opportunity to reflect... Ivan was like, oh, fuck, I'm sorry. I yeah. fucked up. Yeah. Charlie deleted his internet. We didn't hear a word from him. Yeah. This guy, what a piece of shit. Hi. There's Hi. a dog. Hello. Sorry. Hello, so Finley? I'm just keeping you updated. There's a sweet dog in the podcast now. What's your name? This is Finley. Hi, Finley. This is Evie, my partner's dog, Finley. Hi, Finley. Would you like to be on the show? Finn. Hello. Hi, how's it going? This is Max. Yeah, we are. 2,000 years later. 
Oh. Yeah. That'll do, you do want it. To come on the show. What do you think about the Bachelor? <laughs> Bye. Bye. It's okay. No, sorry. Did is that Finley still best. here? I think Finley's gone. Oh, what is he staying? Uh, no, it's hard staying. to say. I'm glad I got to see him. It is nice to say hi to nice the sweet boy. boy. Yeah. All right. Well, that's going to do it for <laughs> another episode of the Bachelor of Hearts podcast. How much of that is staying in? You reckon? Who can say? Mm. Uh, next week. Uh, Jamie offers Angie an ultimatum Yikes And Angie says Jamie, you're offering me an ultimatum Yikes Not Let's great see what that all is all about uh, We'll be pretty soon, I reckon Yeah, I reckon uh, We've got some time later in the week Probably to record Fingers crossed Great Sounds good <laughs> We'll schedule it after the episode Yes ends. Okay, well Thank you so much for joining us as always We love you If you want to tell people about the show We would Love that so much. Right, because the thing is that we actually did come here to make friends. Mm -hmm. um, so you can find us on social media at B-O-H-Pod. Um, give us a rating or a review on iTunes or whatever podcast catcher you use to catch pods. Yeah. Um, I saw some nice ratings reviews coming through in the last week. I've got some late breaking. Oh, what? So, you huh? know how last week um, Scott, and in fact I talked about him just a minute ago. Yes. Scott with one T. Scott with one T. Is he the one who looks like live action Timon? Uh, no. No. That's someone else. Scott's the Ballina boy. He is the one who looks like live action Timon. Uh, but anyway, live go. action Timon. <laughs> there you go. So, um, my mom just texted me and she said, Maxie, Georgia, who is my sister, said, Scott is on The Bachelorette. Year after you at Xavier, just thought you might be interested. Love you. Wow. Went to Year school with him. after you at me. Yep. Wow. That's the school you went that's to. That's the school that I went to. Just to clear up the confusion. Yes. I also... <laughs> I mean, that's fascinating. I also got a message from someone at my work mm. who said that Scott is his mum's real estate agent. Scott is his mum's... So, Scott is in real estate. I guess so. Good for him. Yeah, good on him. Yeah. Well, there you go. That's some news about Scott, <laughs> our beautiful Valina boy. See, the thing is, when you have a podcast like this, it gives you a revolution opportunity, revolutionary opportunity to give the news immediately as it comes across the desk. That's beautiful. And sometimes you don't get to proofread it. <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> you know. You know, sometimes if you're Jess, you don't get to proofread yourself either. It's a different of opinion. True. Mm. Did you know Scott is known endearingly as Scooter by his close mates? Wow. Mm. Didn't know that. Didn't know it either. Okay, well, that's going to do it for another episode of the Bachelor of Hearts podcast. Guys, don't bother seeing Joker. Everyone will stop tweeting about it in a week or two. <laughs> um, and uh, we hope you have a wonderful week. Hope you have a lovey. Uh, what? A lovey. I'll I hope you have a lovey. Well, got to go. <laughs> we love you. Bye. Leaving. We love you. Goodbye. <laughs>